Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to the off-season edition of the Baby Bowl Podcast here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am one of your hosts, Wes Easley, over on Twitter, at Lofinit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore over on Twitter as well. And let me uh, introduce for you the daddy of the Baby Bowl himself, Rob Norton, at Norton0723 over on Twitter. Rob, it is a pleasure to have you on the Fantasy Impact Today Network again, talking about the Baby Bowl and all the festivities that surround it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Wes. It's uh, great always every week to talk to you and uh, excited to talk this week. Every week, almost every week. We've been pretty consistent <laughs> in the offseason trying to bring content to people, especially because the Baby Bowl is one of those things that I feel like the Baby Bowl is started to grow over the last, what, three, four years, however long you've been doing it. I've, I've watched it grow. We've kind of known each other for around that long on Twitter. And uh, as I've watched it grow, one of the things that I saw, and I think that that uh, the community, the Baby Bowl community, I think they're watching the baby grow itself, you know, into a bigger bowl each and every time. It seems like the people really take pride in being a part of the Baby Bowl. So I feel a lot, I don't want to say pressure, but I feel obligated to try and bring some kind of content, some good content, hopefully, to the people who are watching the baby grow. Baby grow. I don't know if they're all cousins of the baby. I don't know what they are, Rob, <laughs> but I, I, I just, I feel obligated to bring them some kind of content like that. Yeah, no, um, I think you do a great job at it. So, yeah, don't feel don't feel any pressure. But yeah, it's it's nice because it has grown. Um, and you know, I try to always like reassess after each year and you know, kind of figure out what people enjoy the most, what people don't enjoy, change it. You know, should it change it? Should I not change it? Should I add aspects to it? And you know, this year my my big addition you know, was the discord. I want to, you know, I keep, yeah. keep plugging that. Keep, I keep, you know, trying to get people in there. Um, I'd love it if, you know, everyone who was in baby bowl made it, made their way in there. And I'd love it. Even if people who are not in baby bowl get in there, because one thing is I feel like people who just enjoy fantasy football are going to enjoy it. There's a lot of good talk going in there. We got, you know, redraft stuff, dynasty, best ball, DFS, um, Scott fishbowl talk, all, all the different channels for all that kind of stuff, new leagues, if people are looking for new leagues, different things. There's there's other other channels for, you know, different fantasy sports. There's uh, sports betting. There's, there's uh, you know, a sports card channel. Um, you know, a lot of people are into the sports card, trading cards and things like that. There's, there's just so much to offer in there. Um, and then obviously it has all the baby bowl chats too. And um, I think we got like 85 people in there right now, actually. And not all of them are actually in the baby bowl. So, but my hope is that, you know, if they are staying in there for the fantasy football, they're going to see really fun, cool talk uh, about the baby bowl. They're going to see like, you know, the weekly updates. They're going to see, you know, people being really excited about being top score, being on the, being on the podcast, like all these kind of things. So I'm hoping like that will also entice people to join in, in the future. If they're just in the, if they're just in the baby bowl discord server for fantasy football and they see all the excitement about baby bowl, hopefully it'll, you know, organically grow more people that way as well. So that's one cool thing about it. And obviously the other cool thing is just having those channels that, um, you know, people can go to for, for references, for resources, uh, just to see all the rules, the payouts, you know, general announcements, all those kinds of things. Um, it makes it just so much easier on everyone else to find things without things getting buried. It makes it so much easier on me that I don't got to, you know, copy and paste a hundred times or do all these different things and, find things that are buried for people and you know things like that it just should be make it more more fun and and easier for everyone yeah 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 and and that's part of the 
uh, you get to be a part of that Discord. Like you said, you don't have to be a member of the Baby Bowl or enter into the Baby Bowl, but you do got an opportunity to enter into the Discord if you do get signed up for the Baby Bowl. And Baby Bowl entry fee is $50, I think, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And each week what you do is throughout the regular season in the NFL, you, uh, you, you sign up for <laughs> each week. You enter your lineup in, and then once you pick a player, that player is eliminated. So it's an elimination kind of a tournament. I don't know what you'd technically call that. You guys got all these funny little names for each kind of tournament <laughs> that it is. I don't know. Is that a single elimination tournament? What what do you call these things? Yeah, I think on on uh, I think on some sites they call it one and done. So because you can only use the player once and then they're done for you the rest of the season. But yes, elimination, one and done. So I heard it both ways. You know what I saw today? I, I saw a Joe Flacco highlight on Twitter, Rob. I saw <laughs> so you can only pick Flacco one time. But anyway, yeah, so it's a single <laughs> elimination thing. You get the Discord, and then uh, what what ends up happening is your entry fee, your fifty dollar entry fee, gets split into three ways. One way is to Ashley's Embrace, so that's a charity. Uh, another way is to another charity that's slipping my mind. What is what is that charity, Rob? March of Dimes. March of Dimes. I should know March of Dimes. That's an easy one, right? March of Dimes. And then the other one is called Wes's Charity. And that goes right into my pocket whenever <laughs> I win each week. No, the winner of each week gets, gets the prize. Also, a couple of other people. It's top five finishers each week get a little bit of the prize. And then the overall winner gets a prize at the end, too, right? So, yeah, it's actually it's it's um, three-tiered payout Three. system. Um, so, basically, if we get 100 or less participants, there's top five will get paid out if we get 101 to 200 which right now we actually have 110 people i think signed up yeah especially for this early is it's nice um so as long as everyone signs in and pays we should have we should be in that at least that tier two which will pay out top 10 um and then if we get over 200 then it goes to the tier three so tier three is basically 200 and up or 201 and up um and it pays out top 20 and like all those are broken down by percentages since I don't have, you know, I'll never know the exact amount of people until right after basically the season starts. Yeah. I can't give like a, you know, a specific monetary breakdown. So I break it down by percentages, but all of it adds up to, you know, a hundred percent payout. Um, and I have the, in, in the discord, I have the, a channel specifically for that. It has the baby bowl league payout. So anyone who's in there, they can just access that at any time and see the percentage payouts. I'll, I'll update it. Once I have the actual final number of people, which won't be until basically after the first week, essentially, um, then I will update it with which one we actually are and put the actual monetary values that it calculates out to be. Man, I don't know how you keep up with all that stuff. Rough top of your head. Can you get it I can barely walk and chew gum at the same time, Rob. I don't know how you remember all that stuff. Hey, I did get the Discord invite. Thank you for, for very much for that. Yeah. I tried to click on it. And then, it, and then I, then I had to enter, and I, I couldn't remember password. I couldn't enter name, and then I was like, "Man, I'm gonna have to go to my email. Then I'm gonna have to come back here. I'm gonna have to wait until later to do it." And speaking of email, Rob, I, I had a hundred emails from the Baby Bowl. <laughs> my fantasy league, I had a hundred emails set there inviting me to join the Baby Bowl. And then I figured, you know, I, I got to do this. I thought I did it once. I didn't quite get it right, I guess, because I kept getting these invites to go in there. So I did it again. I tried it from my phone. I couldn't get it right. I went to my computer. I got it right. I did it one time. And now all of a yeah. sudden, all the emails are gone, Rob. So, I yeah. mean, it was kind of on me. You sent me one email. I said, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> then the next thing I know, I had 100 emails. And then you were telling me before the show that it – somebody will ask you for an invite and you will have Mm -hmm. to click on every single name to uninvite them or you can just click select all and it it sends everybody who hasn't entered into the baby bowl yet or signed up into the baby bowl yet 
and it sends everybody an, uh, a reminder email, I guess, or a reminder email. Mm-hmm. And so that was on me. So after I signed up, no more emails. So I, I, I figured that part out. Now I got to do the Discord. Yeah, so that's the thing is uh, I know people have been probably getting a lot of emails, but that's that's you're exactly right on that. What happens is basically when I go on uh, my fantasy league and I go into the baby bowl and I go to you know invite invite anyone, what happens is it's all you know if there's a hundred people in the league, um, <laughs> it auto populates a blue check mark in the send ma- email invitation to wait, wait, everyone. Wait, wait, wait! I got a blue check mark. No, no, I don't think you're. I oh, that's I true. Hey, it would be it would be nice. Hey. It would be nice. <laughs> I got I got where you're going with that. But no, yeah, it auto populates a blue check mark in a box where it says send email invitation. And so what happens is is a lot of people, you know, think they've already signed in. Um, but that's why I've been telling people when you sign in, try to try to set a lineup really quick just to make sure it's working correctly. Because sometimes people will sign in because MFL is kind of tricky with it. So sometimes people will sign in and it doesn't actually register them as link, linking their franchise. Right. So if as long as you go and ch- try to set a lineup and it allows you to set a lineup, it takes away that blue check mark. So you'll never get another email, email invite again until that point, though. It auto populates and. To be honest, I'm I'm, I'm not going to go back through and uncheck every single person when I send <laughs> out just to send it. Yeah, just to send it to one person. So if you're not signing in, you're just going to keep getting <laughs> email invites until, <laughs> until no, you I sign in correctly. I need them. I need them. OK, so I needed them. And once it once I signed in, I, I figured it was on me. So I just went and did it right. And like I said, from my phone, it didn't work from a computer. It sure did. So I, I got it in there. I'm all in. If I can do it, anybody could do it. And I appreciate all the hard work that you're putting into it, Rob. Please don't uh, uncheck my blue check mark. I uh, just keep <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> I like having a blue check. All right. Hey, uh, but anything else that we could do for you? Because uh, we're here as a baby. baby Baseball community, and I'm encouraging people to try and find ways to be able to help you out. And I'll also encourage you, Rob, to let that baby grow a little bit and expand mm-hmm. a little bit more and let some people help you out. Is there anything that you need us to do right now? Do you have it all under control? Anything that any requests that people can fill? Yeah, it's going pretty good right now. Um, I've been really, really active in terms of like trying to. I have more people. Um, like I said, we're at about 110 right now. As long as everyone that's, yeah. you know, I've sent it to signs in and pays on time, we will be at about 110. I'm hoping to get, you know, since this is this is really encouraging considering, you know, we had only had 86 last year during the regular season. And I still have, you know, um, over a month to go to sign people up. So I'm hoping I can get to 150 to 200 in that range. Um, so, yeah, if anyone anyone's listening that wants to, wants to join, uh, DM me and I'll get you signed up. Or, yeah. you know, if any, you know anyone that wants to join, I'll I'm gladly get people signed up and uh, get them ready to go. But other than that, I mean... Yeah, it's just a matter of getting getting people signed up, and so we just like gotta that. we gotta spread the word. Our job is to spread the word about the baby bowl. You can always go to Rob Norton's uh, Twitter handle, and I'm sure it is on his pinned tweet right there. All the information mm-hmm. you need to know, you can just send that along to anybody else at Norton zero seven two three. You can send that along to anybody who might be interested, who you think might be interested in the baby bowl, and help the baby bowl grow, which you guys have done a great job do, uh, so far. It, Rob is astounding me with the numbers. He'll he'll shoot me a number every once in a while, and I'll be like, dog, how are you getting way up? there like that. that that's really cool <laughs> rob one of the things that we've been doing each and every week is is kind of looking at baseball too because we couldn't talk about football all season long all off season long you know it's the this is the fantasy impact today network off season edition it feels like so we started going into fantasy baseball a little bit and i'd like to look at the second half 
players who are heating up right after the All-Star game. So the last seven days, looking at some players who have you know, accumulated some really good stats that can help bring home a fantasy championship to some people who are out there in the MLB fantasy world that gets neglected once football season starts. Once, once that July time hits, it feels like the football, uh, fantasy football takes over and MLB fantasy baseball kind of gets put by the wayside. So we're going to talk about this just a little bit to try and help people bring home a fantasy baseball championship as well. So the last seven days, and that's about the time of the All-Star game, right? The last seven days about the All-Star mm-hmm. game. Was, was right in there. Leading the league in hits is old Stephen Kwan. I think that he's probably, if you're looking for batting average, which is something, a strategic move that I do each and every year. I try to get up there in the top of the ladders and a lot of different aspects, and then I start looking for those batting averages, especially in category leagues, 5x5 five five or something like that if you're in those kind of leagues. I can always find people who are hitting good averages, and I think averages come along better towards the end of the season because – Pitchers from from the minor leagues start getting called up towards the end of the year to give them a little taste of the of the professional level, and then the professional hitters that were maybe you know lower batting average people start rising up in batting average, and so I can kind of swap that out a little bit, Rob. So I look at that and I look at Stephen Kwan as being a great example of that. The power isn't there for him this year, but the batting average is there for him. He's hitting four twelve since the All Star break, leading uh, the league in hits and four with fourteen hits right now, Rob. Uh, OPS of nine eighty eight. He's doing really good. Yeah, he's solid. Um, he's he's a he's definitely like a, like you said he's sort of a no power all average kind of guy he gives a little bit of speed um i think he's got seven steals on the year and he's he's hitting close to 300 on the year too so uh, he started out incredible i remember early in the season yeah. he was he was like waiver wire darling and um he's better in points league but yeah like you said if you need average he's a great guy to go to yeah and i think he had he had more stolen bases in college which I, I believe was the last time he really kind of played mm-hmm. uh so in college he had a lot more stolen bases when he's had in the pros so maybe that'll come along a little bit more you know the cleveland indians uh, guardians excuse me like to run alec Bohm, he's been heating up ever since the all-star game as well he's hitting 522 522 with an ops of 1151 he's a guy that in your dynasty leagues might be out there i'm not going to say you can get him from cheap right now but he might be able to help you even in redraft leagues bring home a championship if you're looking for that kind of average a little bit of pop of speculation in the minor leagues but i don't think it's really uh come to fruition here in the majors but he's he's heating it up right now a lot uh looking for some under owned players here jose miranda is another guy rob not only will he hit well for you a 625 average 15 uh, 22 ops here but he, he got he has pop in that bat too he's one of those minor league guys third base eligibility along with alec bohm i believe is on yahoo both of those guys can really tear it up for you yeah, definitely. Both of them have really good prospect pedigree. Um, both of them kind of had like have a, a little bit of a stigma where they were better hitters than they were like power. They were like kind of like they they have a little bit of power, but they're not 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 enough power is kind of their stigma. But both of them both of them are on fire right now. So yeah, definitely, and both have third base eligibility. So both if you know if you need a third baseman, uh, they're guy, good guys to take a flyer on. Andrew Benatendi, of course, he got traded to the New York Yankees. Batted leadoff for him tonight, Rob. One day, one day he caught a plane. Then he's batting leadoff for the Yankees. <laughs> and he, I heard he got vaccinated and everything. And I don't. He's, he's like, I'm going after the ring. I'm going after the ring. I don't care what it's going to cost me now. Uh, but Andrew Benatendi, he's there and he's batting leadoff for the Yankees. I doubt you can get him on any waiver. He was on a waiver wire or two of mine though recently. I doubt he, he's probably picked up by now. Another guy, Josh Naylor. I've always been impressed with his. 
um, all the stat cast numbers this year, Rob, but it just hasn't kind of come together. I don't think that, I, he's kind of platoonish a little bit too for the Guardians mm-hmm. lineup, uh, but everything for him looks looks very well. I'm, I got my eyes on him for next year, especially as he grows and matures into a better major league hitter. Yeah, I like Naylor a lot. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually traded for him in, in one of my home leagues. Um, so I, I have in an in an AO league, I have Naylor. I actually have Ben in a bunch of leagues as well. So I've been liking what both of those guys have been bringing lately. And uh, you know, Naylor um, in the last week or so is hitting three twenty one with four runs, six RBIs, a homer, and a steal. Um, he's not really known much for the for the speed, but I mean, he's hitting two on this year. He's hitting two seventy nine with fourteen homers and fifty three RBIs. And like you mentioned, it was. He's somewhat platoonish a little bit. He's played most games um, lately, but he does sit occasionally. And um, but when he's playing, he's like right in the heart of the order, three or four generally most nights. So that's going to be a nice, nice spot for for run production, and especially with guys like Quan and um, Quan Ahmed Rosario and and Jose Ramirez on uh, on base machines ahead of him. So he's he's a great source for power and RBI. Uh, LGJ, that's what I call him. That's he's my little nickname for Lourdes Guriel Jr. is what he is. He's he's doing really well. 421 since the All Star break, 924 OPS. But he's been doing that all month long. Is how long he's been doing that. Good guy for batting average. I think that the problem with him, though, in Toronto is that there's so many players in front of him that clean the bases off. He doesn't get a lot of RBIs, and the uh, the run total just isn't there either because he's batting towards the bottom part of that lineup. But he's good for average. Got a little pop in there. But there's a guy who I believe wants out of Detroit so badly that Ymir Candelario, did I say that? Hmm. The Candyman. That's just what I call him. I call him the Candyman. Uh, first base, third base eligible, probably still over there on Yahoo's been like that for years. That guy is hitting 471 over the last 70 day, uh, seven days, a one six eighteen. I don't. How do I put that? One thousand six hundred eighteen. Rob, would he yeah, get that I think so. big numbers? I don't know. One point six one eight. He's got an OPS of that. Not a lot of at bats. Seventeen at bats compared to everybody else who's kind of in the twenties. But man, he wants out of Detroit bad. Had a huge second half last year. Maybe he's trying to replicate that to go to a big team to get a World Series championship himself. Yeah, I liked him coming into the year. I thought he was kind of like an undervalued guy because he was playing at Detroit. And last year, he put up 16 homers, 271 average, 75 runs, 67 RBIs, you know, on a team that wasn't very good. And they came into the year with higher expectations after signing some free agents. You know, they traded for Austin Meadows. And this year, he's been really disappointed hitting 215. But even over the last month, he's hitting 299, five homers, 15 RBIs, 11 runs. So he could be, like you said, starting to come alive in the second half like he did last year. Yeah, and he's on the waiver wires a little bit out there, so you mm-hmm. might be able to get him. People who are running, I think stolen base category is one of those things that you can win in 5x5 five five category leagues, and as some of these young players start running a little bit more uh, towards the end of the season, maybe even uh, being able to take advantage of those young pitchers, uh, not having a great pickoff move or anything like that. Josh Rojas, batting leadoff a lot of times for Arizona right now. Three stolen bases over the last week. Bobby Witt, two, three stolen bases as well. Uh, you guys, you think you think you want to pick up either one of those guys? Uh, uh, well, Bobby Witt, he's not available. I get, I get him confused with uh, Lopez. I get him confused with So okay. many of those Kansas City guys just look so similar in my head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and uh Witt's been a guy that's, you know, was a huge prospect pedigree coming into the year, talking about the power and speed, and he's lived up to it. 14 homers, 20 steals, 51 runs, 51 RBIs, and 258 average. And uh the average and everything's been even better lately. I think he's 28th overall on the year. So he's he's obviously a stud. Um and then Rojas has really come alive as well. And he has uh, 11 steals on the year, hitting 283, and you know, even lately 
over the last two weeks, he has four steals. Last week, three steals. And last month, six steals. So in all of it, it's hitting over 300. And like you said, leading off, Diamondbacks aren't really that great, but he has a ton of eligibility on Yahoo, second, yeah. third, short, and outfield. So he's definitely a guy to you know keep an eye on, especially if you need speed. No, totally. And uh, when we look down, I look down here, Abdul Herrero, Her- Herrera, Herrera, Abdul. How do you say that? Oh, one? yeah. Oduble. 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 Yes. Oduble Herrera. Yeah, for Philadelphia. He's got two stolen bases as well. No batting average, no nothing. If he just needs stolen bases, so he's out there. But my guy, Jorge Mateo with uh, Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles. He's a shortstop, uh, and he's got two stolen bases. Hitting 318 now, Rob, over the last seven days. 863 OPS. He's, he's starting to come alive. He's really coming alive a little bit, Rob. He's my guy. He's my guy. Mm-hmm. And in my home league, I picked him up, and I dropped him. I thought he was going to be able to make it out of Tampa Bay this week without having a great with and then he hit a home run yesterday and I, I stole him base somebody picked him up and I was just so depressed I was mad. <laughs> so he he's an interesting one. I think we talked about him a little bit earlier in the year where he's a type of guy he's 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 all power speed. He doesn't get a ton of counting stats cuz he's a little bit lower in the lineup generally. Um but he is all power speed and the average is usually not there. If you look if you talk about if you talk about him he's super divisive because he's a type of player who's not a very good real life player. Like he, he's 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 considered like if you look at a, most metrics, he's he's a below average like MLB player. Um, but in terms of fantasy, he gets so much value from from having all those steals. He has twenty four steals on the season, and he's not a zero in in power either. He has eight home runs. So yeah, the counting numbers are a little bit low, and the average isn't great. But you know, anytime you can get be twenty four steals and not be a zero in the power department. You're you're gonna have value in roto leagues. Definitely. Hey Rob, let's go over the standings just a little bit here. Let's look at the New York Yankees running away with the AL East. They are eleven and a half games above Toronto, thirteen and a half above Tampa Bay, and boy, Baltimore and Boston. Boston is seventeen games back. Rob, seventeen <laughs> games back. Yeah, never would have thought it. In the AL yep. Central, Minnesota is two games above Cleveland, three games above the White Sox. They're in Detroit and Kansas City, thirteen and thirteen and a half games back. That is a close, close race there in the Central. Yeah, I actually, I actually like the White Sox to take it. To be honest with you, um, they've they've been a bit of a disappointment this year, but um, I think they have like the easiest schedule from here on out. Like, oh. I'm buying up like in 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 leagues in fantasy leagues too to get this fantasy spin here. Um, I'm trying to buy up all the uh, White Sox hitters and pitchers that I can. They play a ton against Oakland, a ton against Kansas City, a ton against Detroit. Like, they have so many so many easy games the rest of the way. So I like them to actually actually take the division, even though they're three back right now. Yeah, and Grandal, he might be available out there in leagues, and he's mm-hmm. he's been hitting well, and he's a great OPS guy whenever you got them available. And Giolito, you might be able to get Giolito on the low 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 ball right now. That's the other thing I was, I was going to mention, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito. Lynn, Lynn, you know, has struggled a little bit coming back from injury, and Giolito has struggled a lot as well. And uh, both of those guys, are, you know, they have a strong track record before this year i mean and they're gonna get a ton of matchups against like the detroit kansas city and oakland lineups and kansas city already dealt one of their best hitters away and so like those teams could all be selling and you could be having lucas giolito and 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 giolito's numbers his strikeout numbers are still really strong so you could have giolito and lynn facing off against mostly triple a bats a lot of the rest of the way so they're two guys that i'm trying to get in every league (laughs) Yeah, I'm 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 trying to not sell Giolito. Well, I'm, I'm trying not to drop Giolito. I'm trying to talk myself yeah, out of dropping Giolito. He's been so rough. He's been so rough. <laughs> 
Houston is 10 games above Seattle. Uh, Seattle seems to be, I don't know, they're hanging around just enough. Texas, Los Angeles, Oakland are just all fading back. 27 games back is Oakland, and everybody else is just a little bit above them. New York Mets are three games above Atlanta in the NL East, nine and a half games above uh, Philadelphia, and 14 and a half above Washington, and boy, Washington, uh, uh, Miami, I'm sorry, 14 and a half above Miami, and Washington is 28 games behind, Rob. Uh, you still expect the Mets to take that division? Yeah, I still bet. Especially if DeGrom, DeGrom supposedly is going to be back here soon. We'll see. I mean, he's obviously had a lot of health issues. If he can stay healthy over the second, second half, I mean, they can be really, really dangerous come playoff time. Milwaukee is three games up over St. Louis. The Cubs are 14 games back. Pittsburgh, 15, and Cincinnati, 16 and a half. That'll be Milwaukee versus St. Louis uh, battling mm-hmm. that one out. NL West, the Dodgers, 11 and a half games above San Diego. Uh, you know, the Dodgers just quietly to me quietly i think it's because i expected him to be this and so you know, i didn't have paying attention to him 65 and 32 yeah just quietly 65 and 32 though uh that's it, a it's a just a team that just every every single bat seems to just have something behind it i don't know they're 11 and a half games above san diego you, you hear my frustration in it a little bit you know i <laughs> i just it's a, it, it takes some of the fun away from baseball if you got a team like the dodgers and the yankees or something like that it just kind of takes a little bit of san francisco 17 and a half games behind arizona 20 and 21 all right rob so that's that's our division wild card gets a little bit more interesting and that's i we got a Yankees, Houston, Minnesota are all in right right now. Mm-hmm. As of right now, Toronto is two games behind Seattle, one game behind and Tampa Bay, one game behind being in, in they're in though. It's like six teams, right? So Toronto, Seattle mm-hmm. and Tampa Bay are in then Cleveland, two and a half back Baltimore, only three back Boston, three and a half back white Sox, three and a half back Texas, nine back. It seems weird to see that because, Baltimore and Boston are just completely out of the division, but yet they're only three, three and a half games back out of a wild card. Yeah, that AL East is just so strong. Um, you know, you got the Yankees who are the best team in baseball right now. Um, obviously, Tampa is really, really good every year, and they're still good this year. And Toronto, you know, they're, they've been playing really well, um, and they have one of the most dangerous lineups in the league. So, yeah, Baltimore has been a really, really interesting surprise this year. They're above 500 first time it feels like in about eight years, but it's uh, they um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I do like I said I mentioned before. I do think the White Sox are going to rise up. So I don't know which team if they're going to knock out Minnesota because Minnesota actually has a worse record than any of the wild card teams. So it would be Minnesota that they knock out. Um, they're actually closer to the division spot than the wild card, which is interesting too. Yeah, that's weird. Now, when I look at the NL, it's got the Dodgers, the Mets, and Milwaukee all in. And then the wild card teams, oh, I guess they're tied. That's why there's four of them. Atlanta, San Diego, Philadelphia, and St. Louis are all battling out for those wild card, the last wild card spots. San Francisco's three and a half games back. Miami's only five games out of the wild card. That's, <laughs> that's, that's weird looking. That's weird looking. Arizona, six and a half games back. I guess Colorado, we got to include them at seven. Until you hit double digits, I'll still include you at this point of the year. Yeah, for sure. And I expect Colorado and Arizona to really drop out of it. Probably Miami, too. Um, San Francisco is kind of interesting because they were so good last year and they, they have a history of just overperforming. But it seems like this year they've been a little bit disappointing. So um, it'll be interesting because I don't see any of the, the those four wildcard uh, teams really like going quietly. All of them will probably be buyers. 
you know, Atlanta's the strongest one right now. San Diego has so much talent and they could get Tatis back at some point. And they yeah. sounds like they're it sounds like they're the they're big front runners with the Juan Soto yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah. I don't see them going away. Uh, Philly's interesting because it'll be interesting to see if Bryce Harper comes back strong. Um, and St. Louis is always just a really good team. And they have a really good. So San Fran will have to really, really battle it out. I, I expect Miami to drop off a bit in Arizona, Colorado as well. Yeah, I do too. Uh, that, we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. But interesting anyway, to say the least. So we've been doing that this offseason. We've also been trying to bring you some baby bowl football news and notes as, along the way. And we're gonna, we've are gonna been going over ADPs too. We're going to finish out the little wide receiver one, hopefully move on to tight end ADPs here in just a minute. But first, let me remind you that you are listening to the Fantasy Impact Today Network. You can follow us over on Twitter at FI Today with a little underscore. Don't forget to follow me at Loafing It over on Twitter as well. And for all the information about the baby bowl, you can follow Rob Norton at Norton0723. You can uh, DM him over there on Twitter to ask him about the Discord or ask him about how to sign up. If you sign up, then you won't get those emails anymore. But if, you don't, if you're not signed up already or if you haven't done it correctly, that's the reason why you're getting all those emails uh, each and every day from not only the Baby Bowl, but uh, the My Fantasy League is what it is, My Fantasy League. Make sure you signed up and get all the information over there to Rob. And one of the problems, too, Rob, with Baby Bowl is not only do people sign up and they get into the My Fantasy League, but then you got to get them to... Uh, actually like pay the $50 entry fee as well. So make sure you do that all in the same breath whenever you do it. And Rob is always so kind to me whenever I, whenever I enter that stuff in, because I'm an old man, I don't trust the internet. I always ask him, Hey man, did you get the money? Did you get the money? And he says, yeah, I got the money. So every, every time you always say that, but I always have to verify it. Yeah, definitely. I always, I always try to, cause I know, you know, people are always concerned one, if the money got there and two, if it got to the right person. So I always, as soon as I, I mean, I try to, as soon as I get it, send a message and say, Hey, I got your money marked you as paid. Um, and a lot of times what I do is I, I don't like to open it up the, uh, like if someone, if someone sends me it, I leave the notification up until I can get to the computer. So that way it gives me like a reminder, Hey, mark them as paid. Tell them you, tell them you got the money. And I do, I try to do that all in the same breath. Otherwise, you know, if I open it up and I, go about my day. I'm going to forget about it by the time I get to the computer next. Well, you do a great job with that. And by the way, that Discord, you'll get a, a free admission ticket to the Discord as well. But if you just don't, uh, you got too many leagues going on or something like that, and you're not able to get into the Baby Bowl, and you'd still like to be a part of that Discord, just shoot D, uh, Rob a DM or me a DM, and I'll get the information from Rob, or maybe I'll just let you sign up on my Discord thing. I, I don't know how to do that one quite yet, Rob. <laughs> i got to poke around <laughs> a little bit. i got to mash some buttons on that one. But anyway, yeah. Uh, hey, let's go over to the NFC ADP. We're going to be looking at it for the month of July. Let's finish this out a little bit because I have signed up. I have signed up, and I think you have too, for the Razbowl, Rob. Razbowl, yeah. I am entered yep. into that one. So I'm looking at some wide receivers that are down here towards the bottom because what I found out, Razbowl, Scott Fishbowl, any other baby bowls, any, any, any warrior bowls, any, any kind of bowls that I'm in, there's a lot of bench places that are on my roster, you know, like I got I got to play a lot of starters and then I got 11 people on my bench and there's 12 teams in each division. You know what that ends up meaning? The first year I was, I didn't realize this. I'm like, ah, I get people off the waiver wire. I'm a pretty good little waiver wire guy. I can, you know, I've watched waiver wire pretty close. There's nobody on the waiver wire, Rob. Nobody. So whenever I start looking at all these average draft positions and everything, at some point I gotta say, I want my guy because I gotta reach for him a little bit because I'm afraid that I'm not gonna have him because everybody's going after guys whenever you have eleven bench spots. 
Right. Yeah, that's the thing is it, it's 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 interesting because it's like a I think they call it a better bowl or a better ball format. Better it's ball, kind uh-huh. of a kind of a mix between best ball and better ball. I mean, best ball and, and redraft to where um, in best ball, you know, you don't have any waivers all season um, in in this. You do have the waivers, but you only have a limited amount and you only have a limited amount of fab. I think it's like $10 and each one's worth one. So you can only make a maximum of 10 ads per year. And say you use $8 on one player, you're only making $8 and then or that that's $8 of your 10 and you can only make two more $1 ads the rest of the, rest of the year. So um, it's, it's really interesting the way it goes. Um, you gotta be really smart, you know, on how much you want to spend. Um, those, those are all kind of things that you, you mentioned. And since it is, you know, a best ball, like scoring format um you want to make sure you have multiple of each position you want to fill out your roster with depth um try not to overlap the especially early on um like bye weeks and things so you can leave yourself more options for for more points each each week and then i think it's like starting like week 10 or somewhere somewhere in there week 10 or something it starts to where you can you actually set your lineup so um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting format. It's really fun. Uh, yeah. I've done it for, a, for a couple of years, a few years now. I've had, I've had actually some success, success so far, so I'm hoping to keep that going. Um, yeah. we'll see how it goes. But we shall see. And maybe I'll have a little surprise for us next time we talk, Rob. Maybe I'll have a little Raz ball surprise for us. So maybe I'll have that. Hey, That'd be nice. Yeah, let's look. Uh, let's look down here. Let's start at number twenty-five. I think we made it kind of down there towards twenty-five anyway. With Jerry Judy, Chris Godwin, Darnell Moody, Gabriel Davis, Amari Cooper, and Elijah Moore, twenty-five through thirty. Uh, Godwin news this week is that he didn't start out on the pup list. He's not necessarily practicing with the team. They're not expecting him to be ready uh, anytime soon. But that's big news that he wasn't out there on the pup list right now. Yeah. Um... I'm hoping it pushes him up <laughs> to be honest with you. He's my, one of my biggest fades of the season, to be honest. Um, just, he, he tore his, tore his ACL and I think yeah. MCL even, um, in, in week 17 or 16 or 15, like he tore his, tore it in like, and he didn't even have surgery until January. Um, I've been looking at, you know, different stuff with, uh, Dr. Edwin Porras about how he, he's, he's, he's put out some good stuff about how they, they, you know, it takes anything, anytime you come back under nine months or under 10 months in that range from an ACL, you have a significant re-injury risk. Um, so teams are very hesitant to bring guys back even before that. Um, obviously, the 10-month mark would put him in October. <laughs> so, you know, season starts early September. Um, so bringing him back before early to mid October is a significant risk. And I don't think they're going to want to do it with a franchise style wide receiver, young guy. Um, so I think they're going to bring along. I think they're going to bring him along slow, not to mention most guys don't return to full form that they once were until when, until after they're a full year removed from, from surgery, that won't be until January of 2023. So after the season. Um, so for me, I just, I, I just don't even understand why he's going ahead of like anyone in this range. Like, I would rather take, I'd rather take Amari Cooper, rather take Elijah, Elijah Moore, rather take Renfro, Thielen, Hopkins, Gage, Devontae Smith, Michael Thomas, Drake London, Kadarius Tony, Tyler Lockett. I mean, you just name it. I'd rather take him. I'm not. I don't want to start off a season with a guy who's 
not even not even ten months, <laughs> nine months removed from an ACL. So yeah, you can hey, tell how low I am on him. No, I mean you, you you went off the page. You went there. I don't even know what yeah. you're talking about anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a good thing that you didn't draft all those guys at this spot because then you'd be getting raked over the coals with the Scott Fishbowl rankings of mm-hmm. where you drafted the ADP person and how much lower you are. On the, I I see some of those reports and I like it. A lot of people got time on their hands to be able to do those reports. I think I have a better team than what those reports might say for me. Okay, there at some point I said I got to get my guys. And it feels like I'm not even getting an opportunity to get any of my guys. So I bailed out on ADPs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what ADPs mean all the time in different draft rooms like that. Because, because Rob, I'm telling you, like, you sit there and you get into a Scott Fishbowl draft. You get into a Rasbowl draft. Next thing you know, you blink and, like, half of your guys are gone and you haven't even been able to draft again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um and like that's the, that's the thing is that there's so the ADP is so varied on Scott Fishbowl, partially because there's so many teams like and there's so such a wide range of and of outcomes with where people can go. And then also the other time, um, the other thing that really really is throws it throws it wild is that this the way the scoring format is is he tries to set it up to where tries to get to as uh, as best of a point where like most positions are equal so you can have so many different r- style roster builds so many different strategies and i think he does a great job with it so and it reflects kind of in the ap like you said that some guys i saw kyle pitts go i think second or third overall and then i've seen him in like the third round i mean that one was an extreme case that that high but you can you know <laughs> see different things where guys are going so many rounds different so you really do, especially the later you get, just kind of take the guys you want. Yeah, and that's that's what you got to do. Uh, in this little field here, you mentioned a couple of names. Uh, Godwin, especially with, with the addition of Julio Jones as well. I don't know where Julio is going to end up falling into this category. Uh, but maybe, maybe we'll just go ahead and stop right there and just ask you right now, because you're, you're the expert. Where do, where where do you see Julio going? Uh, how, how big of a successful season do you see him having in Tampa Bay? I don't I don't know what role he is necessarily playing because he's not a Chris Godwin figure. He's not an Antonio Brown kind of a guy either. Julio Jones isn't. And I think a lot of people with the injury history that he's had over the last couple of seasons are a little bit afraid, a little bit tentative. But, you know, the the TB12 juice down there in Tampa can be very, very nice and encouraging for an older man like Julio Jones a little bit. Yeah, he's he's definitely an interesting one because when he played last year healthy, when he was healthy, he actually his yes. his profile looked pretty good. Like he, he wasn't he wasn't as bad as people thought he was, the the perception of what he is. But like you said, he has had a lot of soft tissue injuries. He's getting older. Um and I do think his I do think his ADP is gonna start skyrocketing a bit because um I think the Godwin news kinda slows it down a little bit. Um, just because, you know, people will be like, well, there's already other, other options, but I know on underdog, on underdog, just within the last week, he's jumped from 188 to 164. So he's definitely, you know, jumped almost two rounds and that's the thing. Him or Russell Gage. That's what I want to know. I still would take Russell Gage, but, um, I've also kind of liked Russell Gage from four. I'm hoping Russell Gage's ADP drops with the with the Julio signing, and the, it's bound to drop because the the Julio signing and the and the Godwin like good news that he's not he's going to avoid the pup. They that's automatically going to drop Gage, and I think that 
you know, gauge dropping is going to be um, a nice value because I still think I still think Godwin misses at least the first few games uh, minimum if he doesn't have any kind of setback. And when he comes back, is he going to be a full time player? Is he going to be have a full time role? Is he going to look the same? Like all these question marks. Julio, um, I mean, I I like the value on Julio too. I've taken him actually a lot of I take it I've taken him in a lot of drafts up to this point yeah. because it's just that's the thing with those kind of guys. Will Fuller's another guy. It's just you know, as soon as they sign, that's an instant skyrocket. They like, they, because just, just from being in the news, the buzz, and then everyone gets carried away. Like, like, especially signing in a good situation. And most of them, most of the time, it's very likely they're going to sign in a good situation. That's why they're right. waiting. <laughs> so, you know, you knew Julio was going to jump as soon as he signed. And then when he signed with Tampa, everyone gets excited about him and Tom Brady together. And that, you know, you can see the, you see all the stuff out on Twitter and out in the, you know, hype pieces about how he was good when he was healthy and you know it's so it, it's just going to skyrocket him so get your get your shares in you know if you're drafting like best ball teams and things like that i do i took julio actually i think it was in the last round or second to last round in scott fishbowl so it was like stuff like that get them get them late while you can before before they start to skyrocket after they sign yeah, but it doesn't matter, though. It's Kyle Rudolph season in Tampa Bay. <laughs> That's uh, true. All right, so out of that, Jerry Judy, uh, Godwin, Mo- Mooney, Gabriel Davis, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, who's your favorite? Mooney, um, I think. Yeah, Mooney. I, I think I have Mooney, Judy. I think I have Mooney and Judy pretty close. Um, I'd have to look at my things, but just well, right, right off the you, thing. You are. You're dropping all your rankings over there at Norton 7232 every day. Yeah, yeah. And actually, the funny part is um, – these ones will come out tomorrow, I believe, because um, I just did the 11 through 20 today. So, yeah, I have Mooney at uh, for for the little sneak preview. I have Mooney at 23. I have Rashad Bateman at 24. Jerry Judy at 25. Um, so, yeah, all those guys, and I have Gabriel Davis at 29. So I do have, but I I, I will say for what it's worth, I have them all in the same tier. So I'm not yeah. gonna really argue too hard one way or another. What I'm doing. So what I like to do. To be honest with you, is when I have I, I go through and you know when I do these rankings, I have them in the same tiers. I kind of tier them out. Basically, what happens is the way I kind of figure out my tiers is when I when it when it starts to get hard when it's really hard for me to decide between players. I'm like, well, they're in the same tier. So yeah. when I'm statting them out and doing looking at different things and projections and things like that, I I'm like, well, it's it's tough for me to decide between these players. Um, they're in the same tier. When it gets to a point where I'm like, oh, I definitely have this guy ahead, that's when I cut my tier off. And so what I'm doing when I'm drafting and like these underdog drafts, I kind of will, um, if they're in the same tier, depending on my roster build is kind of how I will draft guys. So if, say I had already taken, I haven't taken a, very much Josh Allen so far just because he goes so high in drafts. But if I had taken Josh Allen and it's coming up and I had, you know, um, I had Jerry Judy and Gabriel Davis both available to me to draft. I'd lean Davis just for the the stack factor. I have him in the same tier, and that's a tiebreaker to me. So, just things like that, little things when you're doing stuff, um, you can use it. You know, I like tier based drafting, and then using that as tiebreakers. Okay, I, I like it too, and I do like the Mooney pick. I like him above Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis kind of like the guy there. I still got to see Jerry Judy be able to be a little bit more productive in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I know, I know he has been, but then he got the new quarterback situation. At least Gabriel Davis has been with Josh Allen for a year or so. And uh, but I don't like the McKenzie news coming out of Buffalo. And I know it's probably more smoke than it is anything else because I'll I'll trust. Gabe Davis's production in the playoffs and, and towards the end of the season more than I will the McKenzie smoke coming out of training camp. But man, McKenzie's making some news there in Buffalo. All right, Rob, next little tier 
at least for the ADPs. Renfro, Hopkins, Schust, uh, Juju, Juju, Rashad Bateman, Adam Thielen. Who's your favorite out of those five? So this one is definitely Bateman for me. Um, I think I, I so I have I have Bateman twenty four and I have Juju twenty seven, um, and those two are in the same tier. But the other ones I do have Thielen thirty four and I have Renfro thirty seven and Hopkins forty, um, and I have those a tier or two down actually. So the only two for me that are in the same tier is is Bateman and uh, Juju, um, and it kind of comes down to both of them are profiling as like the lead guy on their team, whereas the other the others aren't, or like in Hopkins' case, he's suspended. Right. And obviously, even when he comes back, he was kind of he was kind of declining in play a little bit, right. uh, even last year. And then they added Hollywood, who's banged up right now. But I mean, as long as he's healthy by the time that um, Hopkins comes back, then then you're looking at someone that's more significant than they've had to split with them. So it's kind of Hopkins is a guy. Don't forget about yep, Ertz. I like Ertz a lot too, actually. So. That's the thing is Hopkins is in a situation where he has more target competition than ever. He looked at worse as a player than ever, and he's suspended. So it's kind of why I have him lower. But um, Bateman is a guy to me that's ascending the most out of him. Um, you know, a second-year guy coming coming. He had, he had a lot of hype coming into the league last year, and he just got off on the wrong foot. Basically, he was hurt, and you know he kind of never really got going. Hollywood was there, Andrews is there. Now Hollywood's gone. You know, he's a second-year receiver where we like to see them take that jump. He's a first-round draft capital. He's got a really good prospect profile, and I'm 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 big into Bateman um, being that that kind of one B to Mark Andrews one A, and uh, so then the thing with Juju too is that Juju still has that you know what if kind of thing. He's had those that incredible year before. He's still very young, younger than people realize, and he's going to be possibly Patrick Mahomes' top guy besides Kelsey. So they're both kind of in similar things where they're playing with um, a higher-end QB with a, with with an elite tight end in front of them, and um, it's kind of like they both have good prospect profiles. It's just those two are kind of ahead for me for those reasons. I can understand that. And, yeah, I, with the added addition of Devontae Adams and you got Waller there in Las Vegas, I'm just not sure where Hunter Redfro's targets are going to come. Mm-hmm. I can see him dropping down below those guys a little bit more and maybe even below this next guy, Michael Thomas, Devontae Smith, Tyler Lockett, Russell Gage, and Drake London right there are our next, our next five. Five, is that right? Yeah, I guess that's five. Uh, Michael Thomas, of course, has come back now, and he is – he is out there on the practice field. He is looking good. He's mad at the reporters. Kind of looks like he has something to prove. My, how we can change my mind. Because, honestly, last week I was looking at it going, okay, this guy just doesn't want to play for New Orleans. And now he's, I don't know that he wants to play with New Orleans, but he sure looks like he wants to punch a lot of people in New Orleans. I don't know if it's players. <laughs> I don't know if it's coaches. I don't know if it's front office or reporters. But he just looks angry. Yeah. Um, he's such a difficult one. to He's he's definitely going to move up, move up uh, draft boards. He's a guy that I was kind of out on, um, but yeah. at the same t- at the same time, I I because I'm very hesitant of people who are currently injured. Um, so when they were talking about how he's currently injured, I was kind of avoiding a little bit. But at the same time, he was falling down far in drafts to the point where I, I kept thinking to myself, okay, now is the time for me to get him in in best ball drafts uh, because as soon as we get a report that he's healthy, or as soon as he says something about how he's fine, or this and that. He's shooting up draft boards, and that's what we're going to see over the next week or two. He's going to go from a round six guy to probably getting drafted late fourth, early fifth um, in a lot of drafts. So, 
you know, that's why I was taking him early. Um, I don't know if I'll take him at the fourth, fifth range. Um, I was fine with taking him in the sixth round, um, sixth, seventh round, that kind of, that kind of range. Um, I actually have, I do have Russell Gage the highest right now, but that was also before the news. I, as much as I liked Russell Gage, it was from the fact that um, Gronk was gone, Godwin's hurt, but now, you know, the encouraging news on Godwin, I'm still not, I'm still not really full bought in on that. But at least if he does return a little bit quicker than I thought, that's going to hurt Gage a little bit. And then the Julio signing hurts Gage a little bit, at least no matter what. So I don't, I do probably, you know, have him more. I had him a tier above these guys, but I probably put him down into that tier now with Drake London. Um, so Drake London was the next guy I had on the list. I like him a lot. So um, it's going to be close between those two for me. All right, I can understand that. Yeah, Michael Thomas is going to shoot up there, and I probably will end up taking him a little bit up mm-hmm. there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sell my soul for Michael Thomas in any of the fantasy football leagues, but uh, it, it is, it is appealing. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I've been coming around a little bit more on Devonta Smith. Yep, I like just, him too. You know, just, 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 I think that's right, right around the right range because he is when that, you know, the third wheel probably there in uh, Philadelphia, and it's going to be a lower volume passing offense, I believe, in Philadelphia as well, but. You know, second year upside, like you're talking about. Tyler Lockett's one of those weird names. I, uh, Geno Smith to me looks like he's the starter in Seattle. From everything mm-hmm. I'm seeing, Geno Smith is going to be the guy. I, I've got to look into what Tyler Lockett's production was with Geno Smith as the quarterback because I just remember seeing Geno Smith really having a good, better connection with DK Metcalf than Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett always seemed to be the guy in Russell Wilson's offense that just caught those super moonshots that that Russell Wilson would put up there in the air and just drop down right in Lockett's hands. I don't know that Geno Smith has that as a repertoire. I'm not sure what more Tyler Lockett has in his repertoire either to be able to get open for Geno Smith. So I I don't know what to think about Tyler Lockett. Yeah, he's interesting because I've gone back and forth because I don't like that offense. I don't like Geno. I don't like them going from Russ to Geno or Lock if Lock plays at some point. Um, So I have both guys down a little bit, but I've I've found I've always been – lock it over Metcalf just because of it's just a huge difference in ADP. Like from what I'm looking at, Lockett's going 93rd ish and you know, Metcalf is going 47th. So it's like, then and you look up every year and, and um, they're usually every year pretty close in production. So it's like, I like Metcalf better, like straight up, but the, the different vast difference in ADP is where it gets me. Um, so I actually, when I was ranking them out, I ended up with Lockett above consensus, which I didn't think was going to happen. And um, so I don't mind him. Um, it's just because he's, you know, going as like the wide receiver of 40 or 41 right now. So it's not, it's pretty cheap to get him, but I'm, I'm also kind of pessimistic on it. But he, I, and you mentioned Devontae Smith. I, I, I totally overlooked him. I actually do have him higher than, than any of, uh, any of those guys. Um, I had Russell Gage one spot ahead, but with the news, I moved Smith uh, above him. So, so yeah, I like I like Devontae Smith a lot. I like what you said there about him. And it's a possible upside play too. AJ Brown mm-hmm. hasn't always been all that healthy for the, the entire year, so maybe putting a little bit of eggs in those baskets. And, and let me just say this: AJ Brown is going to be playing in a lot colder environment in Philadelphia than what he's used to in Tennessee. All those times. And and what I saw from AJ Brown, he, he didn't like the cold weather. Every time I was like, <laughs> I was sitting there watching a Tennessee game and I'd be like, oh, he wishes he wasn't out there right now. You know, I, I just, just, just a little caveat. That's all. That's yeah. And, 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to say the thing with uh, Devontae Smith, too, is that if you look at his numbers from last year, um, he actually was was uh, pretty good uh, from an efficiency standpoint. I think he was like 15th in yards per route run among all wide receivers. He was 11th in the formation adjusted yards per route run, 16th in yards per pass attempt. And uh, his air yard share was like number six among all wide receivers. Eight out was number six. He had the ninth most deep targets. Um, tenth in quality target or target quality rating. This is all from from player profile that I'm looking up here. Um, so yeah, he was actually you know he had some pretty good separation as well, and he he was actually a lot better than people realized. Um, so so yeah, I, I like his talent a lot, and I think they could go more pat. You know, adding adding AJ Brown obviously is a going to take a target share away. Um, there's no doubt about that, but. He, uh, you know, Devontae Smith is a first round receiver with an elite college profile, a fast guy, burner, um, a guy that's a great route runner. And and if they do, if Jalen Hurts can, you know, take a step up as a passer and they start to pass more often, get just more total volume, um, Devontae Smith can can really uh, out, outdo that like wide receiver 30 ish, 35 ADP. See how you are. You, you have all the stats and the figures and everything. And I'm looking at people's horoscopes and trying to see what they're doing <laughs> and how they're going to perform this year. That's why you're that's why you're better than me at fantasy football, Rob. Next little tier. Let's get let's make sure we get through fifty. Let's we're going to get down there through the fifty range, okay? okay. Uh, but we're going in fives. We're no, I'm not going all ten names. That's that's a lot of names. Ayuk, Kirk, Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, and Kadarius Tony. Interesting to see two Tennessee guys there right back to back. I know Robert Woods has kind of shoot up these boards a little bit, I believe, from what I've seen in this offseason. I would personally like Woods over Traylon Burks just because Woods has done it time and time again. You never know how a rookie's going to adjust, and especially in that Mike Vrabel system and the in that you know that the old New England Patriot thing. You got to earn it a little bit, and I'm not sure that Traylon Burks is necessarily going to earn it over Robert Woods. But man, there's nobody else there to pass the ball to. Yeah, it's this is an interesting group. Um, I actually have them. It's funny because I do have them actually all in the same tier this time. Um, whereas like the past couple times we've talked to guys, I've had them kind of in a tier or two separately. But I have all these guys in the same tier. Um, so basically, you know, I, I all of them you can make a strong argument for or against one or one or the other. Um, I do have Kadarius Kadarius Tony as top among really? them. Really? Okay. And it's 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 really mostly comes down to upside. I mean, we he was it was very very small sample, but we saw like when he when he was healthy, um, that game against Dallas, and he had a, I think it was 189 yards in that one game, and it, one like game. I said, it's one, one game. game. <laughs> but that's the thing is none of these other guys have even done that in their careers. So it's like game before he had a, like a nice a nice game before that, and then he just had a monstrous game. And if you watched even if you watched the game, like so the the numbers were incredible. But when you watched the game, just the way he moved. And how many guys he was shaking, shaking every every play. It was just, it, it was be the only game on, and you know because everybody remembers <laughs> that game too. Everybody remembers was, seeing him in red red gloves, red shoes, or something like that. He was yep, just out there looking yep. crazy. It was it was I, I I remember watching it and seeing seeing the highlights and just the way he moved, the the way he shook, uh, like you know true NFL defenders where they just couldn't tackle him, couldn't catch him. It was unlike anything I've really ever seen, and, and like it was just so crazy to me. And I really actually love him a lot. But but the thing is, is like he is still tied to that that Giants offense and Daniel Jones. And I know, but the the, the one thing that's encouraging is you know Brian Dayball's there. So I do think they're going to be a lot better run um, than than under Jason Garrett. I think they're going to try to use him more of a correct way. 
than they they were before. And I do think you know it's an it's ambiguous wide receiver room where you you know who's going to be the lead guy there. And if they do take a step forward under Dayball, um, we saw what he could do last year in a in a bad offense in a in a bad situation, and he did that well. So to me, he kind of is like the highest upside of the group. Um, Kirk is kind of the safest to me because he's kind of like what you'd think. He's also in a wide receiver, like an ambiguous wide receiver room, but he's more of a safe guy where you know he's probably going to get like most of the targets for Jacksonville. Um, but yeah, so it kind of depends just how your your team is so far, if you need the upside or safety. But usually down down where they're going in drafts, I'm shooting more for upside. So Tony's kind of my favorite of the group. Next last little tier we'll get to here. Uh, Claypool Olave. Am I saying Chris Olave right? Alave, yeah. Alave, I'm sorry. Alave. <laughs> how, how can I not know Alave? I've heard it said a lot of times when you look at it spelled. Yeah, it looks it completely weird. It looks weird. Yeah. Alave. New Orleans. <laughs> so he's working. Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, and Rondale Moore. I'm going to be honest with you. I hate to say it. But my favorite one out of all these guys is Alan Lazard. Um, number one receiver in uh, Green Bay, possibly, potentially, probably. I guess you got to point your finger and say, who else is it going to be? Alan Lazard is there. To me, all of his, I, I don't know what to call them. What, what are they, stat cast numbers? Are they, whenever you look at all the, 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 the little prolific numbers that he has, athleticism off the charts. Everything he did, t- so many red zone targets, everything that everything there was, it lines up for Alan Lazard to be able to have a breakout season this year. I don't know if it'll end up coming to fruition or not because you just don't know whenever you have Aaron Rodgers back there at quarterback who he's going to end up throwing the ball to a lot. But, you know, our guy Coop, Fiasco, he, he would say it's not going to be Robert Tunyon, so take him off the hmm. list, and then who's less? You know, it's Alan Lazard. Yeah, that's the thing is I, I've been torn with Lazard because I've gone back and forth and I kind of, kind of just fall in the middle with him where I'm like, I don't dislike him. I don't love him, but I, I understand why people are on either side of it, basically. And like you said, like you fall, it sounds like more on the side of liking him. Um, and and I can understand it. I mean, like you said, someone's got to catch the passes there. And who's who's it going to be? Um, I do like so out of the Green Bay um, pass catchers, I like Lazard the best for sure. Um, and especially with the Christian Watson news, where he's kind of been. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's like falling out of favor a little bit. It seems like things are just so that's not going his way right now. And with, I think he's a little banged up and things like that. So that kind of pushes him down a little bit, which can help elevate Lazard. Um, I do think actually uh, a guy that we didn't mention, but in terms of just talking about Green Bay receivers, Randall Cobb probably is going to get more opportunity than people think or even want because he's going to be the most trusted guy by Rodgers, which is a yeah, no, I understand that. He, he burned yeah. me in the Baby Bowl playoffs last year, Rob. I, yep. I can't do it. I can't do Rodgers. I, I, <laughs> I and I understand. Like he's, I mean, and that, that's the thing. I think he's just going to be basically like that guy that's just annoying to fantasy people be or fantasy managers because he's going to be taking away from the guy like Lazard that people want to have the the breakout. So I I, I could see Alan Lazard having a breakout. Um, I do actually have Alave Garrett Wilson ahead just because I I think they're like kind of like you know, high-end prospects, high-end, high-end profiles. I think both are first-round picks. Um, Wilson, I do have Alave one spot ahead of Wilson, but that was also before Michael Thomas news. Um, but at the same time, I do think he's in a better situation. Uh, Wilson's interesting. I, I, I actually ranked Wilson better as a prospect. He's my second favorite receiver. Uh-huh. How can you say either one of those guys are in a better situation than Alan Lazard no, being no, in not. Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers? Neither of them are in better situations than Lazard. 
Um, Lazard's definitely in the better situation of them. Um, it's just the reason I have those guys ahead of Lazard is purely based on talent, um, okay. which I think ta- I think when it comes down to it, talent matters more at receiver than it does at running back, whereas opportunity matters more at running back than it does receiver. Um, I feel like I've fallen into this trap a few times with with receivers, and it's kind of burned me to where I've kind of learned more where I want to like go with. So one of the, one of the things that really hurt me a couple of years ago was I liked both Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. And at the time when the landing spots hit, I was really down on Jefferson because I was like, Oh, he's going to, he's going to a run heavy Minnesota offense where Stefan Diggs couldn't even get a hundred targets. And Diggs was like an elite receiver. I was like, Diggs didn't even get a hundred targets and now he's going to go and he's not as good as Diggs. Um, so, you know, especially as a rookie, he's not as good as Diggs, And so that was the thing that really, really turned me off of that. And then obviously that turned out to be way wrong. And so I, I've kind of steered away from that a little bit with looking at, you know, Lazard still is an, und- I, I like him, but he still is an undrafted guy versus you're talking about two elite first round okay. receivers. And they're again, they're all basically same tier for me, so it's not right. like I have them that much different. But all right, you need to be a little bit higher on Alan Sard, Rob. Take it from yeah. me. Take it <laughs> from me, a, a Bears fan who's watched Aaron Rodgers do it year after year. All right, <laughs> hey, hey, uh, good job here tonight, buddy. Uh, appreciate all the information about the Baby Bowl and everything that you're doing on the Baby Bowl uh, for all of us who are entering in or trying to anyway. Make sure you sign up to get all those emails off your email list or email chart, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know where you're ranking the email charts, but boy, that Baby Bowl one is shooting up the ranks if you don't sign <laughs> up. <laughs> but we appreciate your effort and we understand completely why we get those emails. So thank you so much for everything you're doing, Rob. Yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, yeah, keep look, looking out for them. Get signed up and and DM me if you're interested. And spread the news about the Baby Bowl. This is your Mm -hmm. Baby Bowl just as much as it is Rob's or mine or anything like that. This is your Baby Bowl as well. We like to look at it as a community effort. So we appreciate everything you've done for the Baby Bowl. And make sure you follow Rob Norton at Norton0723 over there on Twitter. He's dropping those ranks and files each and every day for all the different positions. And you can just search that out. I know you're going to put that in one nice little thread for me. I know you're going to do that for me, Rob. That's, That's the plan. And don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. Make sure you rate, make sure you like, make sure you review, spread the news about the show as well. Uh, you can follow me over on Twitter at Lofinit. Don't forget to follow the, uh, me over there. And let me make sure, Pit Fam, that you are encouraged to go out and find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.